Hey, good evening and welcome along to church. My name is Julia and you can grab a seat. It is, it is great to have you here tonight. Didn't the boys do well to start with? They did such a good, a good, such a good job. Cool, thank you. Um, so yeah, as they, as they sort of shared about, we're kicking off this series on relationships. And there are so many different relationships in our lives. And, and when they're healthy and going well, that is super, super fantastic. But when they're not, it can, it can often be, um, be a bit tough and stuff. It can be pretty stressful. It can be, can be hard. And, and relationships is always something that could, we can be learning and growing and improving on, which is awesome. So hopefully we'll bring um, a few thoughts tonight and a few takeaway points that, that will help you um, in, in some of your relationships. And firstly, to start off with, I've got a little bit of a um, confession tonight. I did something really dumb yesterday. <laughs> So I've got a little, I did, really dumb. Don't give me judgy faces because I'm sure you've all done something dumb at some point. Um, we were doing a, a big uh, working bee yesterday on my, um, my grandma's house. We were doing over the garden and stuff and my cousin had the gardening fork, which was fine. And I was weeding and my uncle had made a comment about being in jandals and I was like, I'm just weeding. It's a beautiful day. It'll totally be fine. And um yeah, and then um, my cousin turned over this big thing of weeds, and it had so much dirt on the end that I like I couldn't shake it off. And so I grabbed the fork and was like, "It'll be fine. I'm just going to loosen it off." And this is a silly thing. God totally gave me a warning, and I was like, "I looked at it and I thought, if this slips, it's going to go straight into my toe, and I should put some proper shoes on." And then. Typical Kiwi. I looked at it and went, "It's just going to be one push through. She'll be right." Next minute, I stuck a gardening fork in between my, the um, webbing in my toes. And initially, I was like, hey, that's okay. I think I'm good. And then I pulled it out, and I was like, there's a little bit of blood. I should probably go check that out. So I gave the fork back to my cousin and went to the bathroom, and then there was this trail of blood behind me through to the bathroom. And um, I was sitting there and, like, running it underwater, and I looked, and I pulled my toes apart, and I'm waiting for Paul Cargill just to be like, oh. <laughs> And there is, there's like a fork-shaped hole between my toes. And at that moment, I was like, I've done something really dumb. This is really bad. And I looked and was like, oh, no. And my auntie is actually here tonight. We gave her a call because she was coming around, and we were like, how far away are you? And um, she's actually a wound care nurse, so she'd been looking after patients. So she had her full kit with her. And because initially my first thoughts had been, Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the rest of my morning in A and E. Like that suck is done. Like that's this sucks. My second thought was, Oh my goodness, I'm preaching tomorrow night. What am I gonna do? And then my third thought was, I've got to wear open toe shoes to Julianne Julianne's wedding next week. What am I gonna do? <laughs> um, but my auntie came in and it was amazing because as soon as she walked in, I looked and I'd gone, Oh, this is really bad. But as soon as she came in, something just went, Oh, it's gonna be okay. And isn't that the power of relationships? That actually within that, there's a a beauty and a richness and a connectedness in being able to do life with people, knowing that we don't have to go through hard stuff by ourselves. That when we make dumb choices, other people can be there and help us through, that that's not the end. And that actually within those relationships, we can feel loved, we can feel valued, and it can be so healthy for us. Um, do you know, it's actually amazing that when we talk about relationships, we actually get, we describe it um, 
with, with physical pain, with pain language. So we say things like, she broke my heart, he hurt my feelings. So we kind of think, hey, maybe this could be a metaphor for actually describing what's happening within us. But turns out that social pain is actually very real pain. And when there's brokenness within our relationships, it actually has a significant um, fact, plays a significant factor on our health. So I spent some time actually looking into this, and I encourage you, there's some amazing TED Talks from some phenomenal researchers, and actually around loneliness and, and what this does to our brain and how this affects the health of our bodies. But totally don't have time to go into that, but I encourage you to have a look at it. But one of the interesting things that they all agree on is actually that loneliness is one of the leading factors that increases early mortality. So there's something actually within our bodies that shifts and change when we're not in right relationships with other people. And then when we are in healthy relationships, that it actually reflects on our physical health as well. Interesting, eh? See, I think it's, it's amazing because I think God actually knows this stuff because he created us. So he knows how our body works. He knows what is important for us emotionally, spiritually, physically, intellectually, mentally, all of those things. And I love that last week we all came together and, and we took communion as a group. And um, as I was thinking about this this week, I was reminded of the scripture from 1 Corinthians when um, there's the when the church has actually kind of been given instruction around communion. So this was meant to be something that's happening regularly and, and they were coming together and it was something that was done within community, kind of like we did last week. And it says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And what it's actually saying is that before we come to communion, it was meant to be this self-check of actually, are you in right relationship with other people? So as you're coming into this place where you're remembering what God has done for you and the relationship that he has drawn you into, that you're actually looking at reconciling the relationships with the people around you and determining, are they healthy? Are they good? Is there stuff that needs to be um, talked about, worked through, repented of change, that you can come before God and sit in community with healthy relationships with other people. See, when we look at the cross, and it's a little bit of a cheesy illustration, but I think it's actually profoundly powerful, is that there's an upward post, which kind of symbolizes actually God reconciling himself to us or us to him, right? But then there's the um, horizontal bar. And I think that that's actually really reflective that the cross not only um, reconciled us to God, but it's also reconciling us to other people. See, we, can, we could have been stuck in our brokenness and loneliness, but instead God's heart and God's intention is that our relationships are meant to be healed and restoration outworked within them. Isn't that a beautiful and amazing thing? See, healthy romantic relationships are great, but as I said, our lives are made up of so many different relationships. Our friendship, our family, our flatmates, our workmates, maybe people we work with that aren't necessarily our mates, Um, our church, our community are all significant relationships in our lives. Um, And as I was was sort of looking through and reflecting on these and we're looking at the topic of of friendships and flatmates and sort of those close relationships tonight, um, I think one of the determining factors that uh, adds to health in that is trust. Would we all agree? It sucks when your trust is broken, right? That is one of the most painful things that can happen. And I think if we were honest, we've all had an experience of that, whether someone has broken our trust or we've actually broken someone else's trust. But if trust is is high in a relationship, it makes it so much more healthy. 
Now, there's actually um, an amazing lady. You guys might have heard of her. Her name's Brene Brown. She's got some some great research and presentations and stuff are out there. And she actually found some of the best stuff on trust and going what this actually looks like. And so there's some things that I thought um, might be helpful tonight as we sort of look into it. So trust, they, what they've discovered through the social research is that trust is actually built in the smallest of moments. They thought that actually it was kind of sort of built by more significant moments. But as they've done the research into it, they've found that it's actually really little things, kind of like marbles in a marble jar, that actually determine trust. It's not, you know, big kind of tennis balls or anything like that that actually fill up our trust jars, but it's actually a whole lot of really small things that are incredibly important. See, and what they discovered too is that in a moment where trust can be built, if that trust isn't followed through in those small things, they actually become significant moments of betrayal, which take away from trust within our relationships. So everybody is trustworthy with something, but no one is trustworthy with everything, okay? So what, we have, what it is is determining actually what is the level of trust that we have within relationships and then being able to put appropriate expectations um, around those and interactions with those relationships. Um, the importance of having marble jar friends, friends where there are high, high levels of trust, lots of marbles, and what are the things that actually build into that? When we're living with people... Trust also becomes incredibly important. I think if we have, have friends and flatmates where actually the trust is really low, then, then the, those, there's not a whole lot to actually draw from and they actually become often the most tense and sometimes even destructive relationships in our lives. So the th- seven factors which have been named the anatomy of trust, things that are important. Firstly, boundaries. Can you... Can you hold them? Do you have them? Are you able to respect mine and, to re- and other people's? Or are they something that is continually crossed, blurred, or broken? See, because when boundaries are held, when I know where I stand with someone, when I know that you respect my boundaries, then that adds trust into a relationship. Reliability. Do we constantly follow through on what we'll say we'll do is a significant factor? Or if we say we're going to do the dishes and we don't, it may seem like a little thing, but those are moments of trust where actually we had the opportunity to be reliable, but instead we won't, so that we weren't. And so there's small moments of betrayal that slowly take away from trust within a relationship. Instead, we need to look at how we can be clear and honest about our limitations around people. And instead of promising that we're going to do something, actually recognizing that if we can't follow through on those things, then it's going to take away from our relationships. But if we're able to say, hey, actually, this is the limit, or, or, I, can't, or I can't do this and following through it in a way that shows honesty, then it's significant to health within those. Accountability. When we make a mistake, do we own it? Are we able to apologize and make amends for it? Super significant. Because if we don't have that within our relationships, if we just pretend like things don't happen or we don't apologize or acknowledge that we've actually done wrong, then again, it slowly detracts and takes away. The vault. 
see, the interesting thing that they talk about with the vault is that it has two doors. It's not only whether you can hold confidentiality about what I say to you, but actually how do you talk about other people? is a significant factor in determining the healthy relationships. If someone comes home and how they talk about either the, the person at work or friendships or relationships, actually that's going to be how they talk about us as well. Eh? So going those things, how we talk about people, gossiping, all of those things are super, super significant and actually are really destructive um, factors if they're negative uh, within these relationships. Do we have integrity? Do we... Um, acts in a way uh, that allows others to see the pursuing of character over comfort, that our values are not just spoken but also practiced. Can we be trusted? Are we non-judgmental? Um, can we struggle? Can we, can we ask for help knowing that there is no judgment? And does it go both ways? Interesting, eh? That it's not just about the other person being able to ask us for help, but a significant factor is going, actually, is that both ways? And generosity. Are we actually to make, able to make generous assumptions about people rather than assuming that they have the wrong or, or selfish intentions? But do we actually know that their heart and their character is actually for um, our best intentions? And even if they make mistakes, that we know that ultimately they're not trying to hurt us, but we're able to actually follow that up and check in with them and say, hey, actually, what was going on here? So some pretty cool factors, eh? And some, some, some significant things that actually build trust into our relationships and into our friendships. See, because trust creates space for security and vulnerability within our relationships and allows us to actually express who we truly are. Um, see, initially, if we go back to Genesis 3, when trust was first broken, God trusted Adam and Eve with with this tree and, and saying to them, you know, are you going to eat from, you know, don't eat from this. It's, it's going to be harmful. It's going to hurt you. But instead they proved themselves that they actually weren't trustworthy within that situation. And then when it came before God, what's the first thing they do? There's not in this now this broken relationship with each other, but Adam turns around and says, it was her. It was her fault. I guarantee that was the first time in human history that the look was given. Can you imagine it? Really? Are you kidding me? You're going to go there? Wow, you did that. Oh boy. Yeah, let's go. You know, this moment where actually where there was then broken relationship between people as well. And from there, there's been this continual journey of God's heart to go, this was not my intention for people. But my intention was instead for you to be able to experience deep trust, to experience um, vulnerability and closeness and safeness within these relationships. And then as we look to the person of Jesus, we see actually what he, what he demonstrates is that, that trust and that compassion. And we see what God's heart was for relationships with people. We see the image of the invisible God in human form, and we're able to actually look and see how he treats and cares and loves and interacts with people, and then what his intention was for us within communities for that to be outworked. See, the beautiful thing is that he then becomes closer than any friend. And out of that place of healing and health, security and vulnerability in our relationship with him, we can learn to love others better. Um, See, in this first week of relationships, while we're looking at friendships and flatmates, all those sorts of things, first and foremost, it's important to address our relationship with God. Because it's out of that place of living right with God 
that everything else overflows. No one person can meet all of our needs, heal of our insecurities, calm us down and understand all of our fear, come and understand all of our fears. But it's out of our overflow of knowing him, of his healing work within us, that actually gives us the capacity to love other people well. Out of the overflow of knowing this very real and tangible love in our lives, and that is what it's possible to experience in our relationship with God, we can experience healthier relationships with others and our friendships and all of those sorts of things. So we're going to unpack that a little bit more, and um, we're going to have a bit of a panel. We're going to talk through some of these things and what that actually looks like. So I'll invite the team to come on up. Cool. While these guys sort themselves out, I'll introduce what's happening. So um, this is our Life Talk panel where we get to, um, I think they're trying to reenact the Friends intro again, you know. Like, um, so this is our Life Talk panel where you guys get to have some interaction with what's been shared. So um, there will be a phone number that will pop up on the screen which comes to the phone. And so we're able to jump through some of your questions and, um, and unpack stuff that you want to hear or stuff maybe you want to ask Julia about for some clarification on. But Julia, just before we get started, you were mentioning, um, you know, doing that research into the, I suppose, the connectedness between our, you know, our relationships and then that lifespan thing. And you said you didn't have time to talk about it in your message, but we've got some time now. Because I think that would be really interesting to know a little bit more about. Can you, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about what what you found? Yeah, so they were talking about... um even just how our brain function actually works and how when we, when we are lonely, we, um, we operate in different spheres of our brains. And so we, if, if we're feeling lonely or uh, we're struggling in relationships, we actually approach our relationships with a heightened sense of, you know, that fight, flight or fight response. Yeah, so we actually go into um, like first time you know, when you meet someone for the first time, that's sort of with higher fight or flight responses. So we're actually looking out more for the negative. And so it was just really interesting kind of seeing some of that brain stuff and how those things work and, and those factors. So. Wow. So wh- how does that affect our lifespan? Like, like I suppose, like, what, is it, what is it about relationships that we value so much? Like why, why are relationships so important in our lives, you know, and it, if it has the power to affect our lifespan, why, like, I suppose it's to open up to all of you guys, what is it about relationships that makes them so important for us? Because God made us social creatures. That's mm. how he, you know, how he made us. He made Adam and then he made Eve, and they were made for a relationship with each other. So I think if you're, if you're coming at it with a, um, you know, the fight kind of attitude and you're constantly looking for the negatives and others, then that's counterintuitive to what God actually created us for, and that was for... Mm being vulnerable with other people and allowing those deep personal connections. It's it's a lot of fun. Like living in relationship with people, having having friends that you can hang out with, be social with, um, be frustrated at sometimes. Maybe that's not fun, but you know in the Bible it says that, you know, God came that we might have life and have it to all its fullness. And I think a lot of that is actually enjoying life as well. Mm. It's to, to have all to know what it is to be fully in relationship with him but also to enjoy the life that we live now. And for me personally, I absolutely love hanging out with my friends. It brings me such joy to be around them. They are a cause of much laughter, not at them always, but, you know, with them. And it's, it's, just, it's just a lot of fun to live in a relationship with people. Yeah, awesome. I think as well when there's broken relationship factors like unforgiveness, bitterness, you know, that, that, that stress that we carry takes a toll on our bodies as well. Right, okay, so... 
just to just to kind of tag onto that as well, I just want to fire out for you guys. What have been, and you've already mentioned it a little bit, but what have been some great things about your friendships and your relationships in your life? And then also, what have been some of the challenges that have come along? with that so not like you're a great friend and she's a challenge of a friend not that no no maybe maybe like maybe maybe i'm a great friend but what are the challenges of being a friend with me but please don't use me as a specific <laughs> example so uh, julia it's like I, staff therapy session right here <laughs> you look you actually look worried i am <laughs> so, so julia and i we actually um sat down this afternoon and went because julia and i we're we're best friends um i thought we were best friends I feel like I'm in the middle of some weird leadership <laughs> thing right now. Alex, do you want to yeah, do you want to come say hear me? Yeah, man. No. So, no, but so Julia and I, we're, we're good friends. <laughs> we're good friends. We're also colleagues, and then we we have the joy of flatting together as well. So we see quite a lot of each other, um, and as much as we have fun most of the time, and we laugh, and I. Th- thoroughly enjoy Julia's company, we have certainly had points where... Um, it's been a bit crappy. <laughs> it's, it's not so good. I, I was trying to explain to someone earlier that, that we've had big arguments, but I think it's probably been our lack of arguments that, that was actually the issue. Yeah, and, we, and we were talking about this afternoon going, it's not been when we've disagreed about something or actually been annoyed at each other, but it's both when we've totally miscommunicated or totally misunderstood each other and so both very graciously given each other space and then both gone, why are you leaving me alone? Why do you not want to hang out? And then being I think the assumptions that are then made within that because sometimes you assume, you're, oh, okay, because they've done this, then oh, they must be feeling this or they must be thinking this or this must be happening. And then slowly this, it gets more and more skewed. And, Until yeah. eventually it all just erupts <laughs> and you, just, you, you are confronted and you just have to t- work it out. Yeah. But, but apart from that, it's great. Um, we're, <laughs> we're great friends. I feel like what we should some, hear from Alex, maybe. Okay, yeah, Alex, yeah, what just, are some great things? Yeah, do you have healthy relationships? Because apparently... Yeah. Like, yeah. I wish I had one of my apart. friends up here. That'd be, that'd be a bit more encouraging. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not that you guys are my friends, you know. I'm just digging the hole. Um, so, Welcome to the hole. <laughs> yeah, sorry. My bad. Um, so growing up in, in kind of high school, I had two distinct kind of like separate groups of friends. One was my high school friends who were all non-Christian. I was the only Christian um, that I knew at high school, basically. Um, and then my Christian group of friends who I grew up with in church, a bunch of dudes out in Sumner that I hung out with quite a lot. Um, and so it was, it was a massive challenge at high school being a 16-year-old um, and the only Christian because um, you inevitably get into the debates about God versus secularism. And um, I'd often come out of it kind of questioning things, you know, because I was hanging out with some pretty intelligent dudes who had real good arguments for stuff. And I, I think you're intelligent. Thanks, Jeremiah. Oh, man. Um, sorry. Um, you're just distracting me now, man. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd come out of it kind of questioning things about my relationship with God and everything. But it was awesome to have that that foundation, that base of Christian friends through church and out in Sumner, um, who I'd see pretty much every week, um, that we could just really vibe off each other and um, get encouragement from each other. And we got together real often, like once a week pretty much, to specifically talk about our relationship with God and um, do like many kind of Bible studies and everything. Um, so that really encouraged me through my time with my non-Christian friends to kind of be that witness and be that encouragement to them. Mm. Um, even though I wasn't a perfect, you know, definitely not a perfect person, I was able to be encouraged and um, supportive of the non-Christian friends. Yeah. I think that's one of the great things about friendships is that they, they can be so encouraging and so 
you can be so open and honest with a good friend. You can mm. they can know so much about you, but still love you anyway. Mm. Still encourage you. Um, you know, I've got friends in Christchurch that do that for me, but I've also, you know, with technology now, with social media and things, I can actually keep in contact with friends. You know, I've got a, a group of friends and family up in Nelson that I can actually communicate with. I can call them, I can Snapchat them, I can whatever, and they can still be that encouragement. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, a true friendship and a true relationship can isn't defined by distance or, or even time, time yeah, restraints, cool. but actually cool. it's... It's something deeper than that, and it's knowing that you wholeheartedly have someone's back. Mm. You'll sacrifice whatever it takes for them. Yeah. Um, in the same way that Jesus did whatever it took to have a relationship with me, I'm prepared to do, maybe not quite the extreme, but you know, to do anything for mm. my friends as well. Yeah, cool. And it's and I think like it's like you were saying, like communication. Like you guys have a great friendship, and yet you've still had stuff that's happened which has not been good, but that doesn't mean it's a bad friendship. But because of your communication, you're able to still be great friends even though there's those hiccups along the way. But I suppose, the, and you've been talking about, you used your, your trust jar um, analogy, you know, and sometimes we can have friendships and we can do those things where, you know, we, we break someone's trust and, the, you know, the marble's removed and it's a, a bit of a betrayal. But I suppose how do we, how do we identify, like, because we know, we know what the boundaries in our lives are. When you know when someone does something to me, I know I know what's going to cause me to for that to be like a betrayal to me. But how are we supposed to know what the boundaries are for other people? Because we can't know all those things. But I suppose how do we get to that place where we know that if we do this, I'm going to break their trust, so I'm going to try and not do that. That's a great question. How do we? Um, <laughs> I'm the host, Jeremiah. So <laughs> I'll save you, Jono. Um, I think part of it too is, is that thing of going actually trust is built, trust and betrayal is built in small things and so going actually the little things that we maybe uh, dismiss that aren't particularly significant can, can play a big part and actually whether that's slowly building relationships and determining actually what the levels of trust are so when I said everyone's trustworthy with something but no one's trustworthy with everything mm. actually going in those little things are people continually being proven trustworthy are you proving yourself to be trustworthy or actually are you continually are they continually letting you down or are you letting them down and is there some stuff within that that needs to be worked on in order for there to be um kind of more give in the relationship and more to be able to draw from part of building up all those little things is it takes time Mm -hmm. it's not always like a friendship you some people you just meet and you just click with and Mm -hmm. you're like Mm -hmm. we're going to be friends but it still takes time to build that trust and it still takes time to to build up that capacity within friendships and so i think time is it's not always a teller because i've known some people for for most of my life and i wouldn't trust them with anything um but (laughs) But it's knowing that because they've spent time with them. Yeah. And in those little things, they've shown themselves to be true and honest or vulnerable or not. And it's, But I have to be remain true to myself in all those small things as well so mm. that they can get to know me. Mm. It's not just me getting to know them and completely guarding myself until I, I know everything about them. But actually, it's a mutual, we both share things and slowly get to know each other. And over time, that trust is built mm in your ability to be vulnerable with people. Yeah, yeah. And it leads on really well because we've just had a question come in um, which says, what if you've had your trust broken so often that you feel like your, your jar is empty? Mm-hmm. You know, and you, so you've just had some really bad luck with some friendships, I suppose. So how, how does that person, how do we overcome that? We do just feel like our jar's fully empty. We can't trust anyone. How do we, how, you know, what's the restorative process that we can go through? I think the starting place is coming back and going, what's the relationship with God like? 
what's what's that starting place and going and building trust with him and then as I say it's out of that overflow that we can actually start to what's by his power that we can Mm. actually start to experience forgiveness towards other people which releases us from some of our bondage that I I know even in the times when I felt um, when I felt broken when I felt betrayed when I felt jealous when I've you know all that sort of stuff actually first and foremost going to God before I've gone to anyone else Mm. and actually getting his perspective on some of that stuff and Sometimes actually he's he's spoken and he's shifted some things in my understanding or he's given me the courage and strength to be able to have tough conversations or to um, you know the, the energy and capacity to be able to initiate another relation you know another relationship or yeah. friendship and and those sorts of things and going actually it's it's always got to be out of that overflow of first being in the right place with God mm. that we can then start to fill our jar yeah and then on the, and then on the other side of that is mm. once you do sometimes you do have a great relationship with God sometimes things are going well and in your friendship and relationship with him but people can still be people mm. and sometimes that just sucks mm. um, sometimes yeah. people do let you down you know even over the last couple of years the amount of friends who've we've just grown apart we've just grown in distance growing and and part of that is because of our relationship with God part of my relationship with God is it's it's led me somewhere different to where God's leading them perhaps and so it's recognizing that actually we're all broken we live in a broken world as well and so people will you let you down people will break your trust um you know and and we're sorry that that happens it's not an enjoyable experience but but always knowing that god does have the best for you that he does always want you to be in relationship with people um and so choosing to put yourselves in in environments and places where where you can meet more people and start small you know, um, you might need to look at what, why did those relationships break down? Yeah. What was it? Did I trust someone too quickly? Yeah. Did I not take time to build those little yeah, times? Yeah, look for those common denominators. Those common you. things through yeah. trust and just time after time looking for those little bits. Mm. Awesome. Great. Can we give these guys a hand? We're going to finish it off there and I'm going to hand it back over to Julia.